Hey there, everybody. Welcome to episode three of Backup Stories. My name is Justin Townsend. As always, I'm here with my good friend, Mr. Rob Newmeyer. How's it going? Rob, this is a week for comics and a half. We, uh, we had a hard time getting a list together. We had to start cutting out some books that we wanted to talk about. Otherwise, we'd be here all day. Yeah, I mean, between this week and you know stuff from the past two weeks also, uh, the last two weeks were huge. Yeah, I don't even think we have anything from last week. We don't have anything. Everything is just from this week. Yeah, everything a is lot of stuff week. came out. Let's just get right into it. Go for it. So I want you to tell me, Rob, about Convergence and what in the world's going on with this. Uh, okay. I mean, Convergence is basically a culmination of what happened in the Doom storyline. Okay. Uh, I, re I read Doomed, and at the end, uh, Superman goes into a black hole with Brainiac, uh -huh. and the next thing we know, he comes flying out with that righteous beard. Yes. So and that is some of the stuff that happened in Future's End without like spoiling Future's End for people. Um, but then, you know, you have a clueless Superman landing on a, a barren wasteland of a planet in, in the opening scenes of Convergence, number zero. Um, and he even has no clue what's going on. It, so. it, Superman felt exactly like I did. Uh, you know, I know that DC is having this, this event, uh, convergence and in a funny way, it kind of, you know, mirrors what Marvel's doing with secret wars. It seems like a lot of different DC universes are coming together to battle, to, to do some battling or to try and survive. Uh, that's about the, the extent that I know what convergence is. So we have issue zero here. Mm -hmm. Uh, as you said, Superman lands on a barren wasteland after flying through the black hole and Brainiac is trying to get some information out of him as to where he came from. So this is where I was getting confused because it seems like at the end of doom, uh, at the end of what was it? The doomsday storyline, uh, dooms Brainiac goes through that black hole lands and he's seeing all infinite realities. Uh -huh. And is that the same brainiac that we're seeing in this issue? They, like they do not make it very clear. Okay. So we're going to go into spoiler territory, I guess. Not I, I think, I think yeah. it's needed because I like to think that I'm pretty up on comic books and I have no idea what's going on in this story. Yeah. He saw all the broken realities and what I'm taking from that is that just starts his obsession on wanting to know and, and collect everything. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so that's why you see, or he points out one of the, the cities in a dome. Um, you know, he used to have the bottled city of Candor back in the day. Um, so he shows off one of the domes and, and Superman's pissed. He's like, no, you gotta let those people out. You can't just enslave them. And he's the collector, so he wants to have them there. Correct, yeah. So that's that's what he does. He has all of these different realities like and i wouldn't even say realities because a lot of these things are from you know pre uh crisis on infinite earth uh like super early silver age stuff then you have a lot of bronze age you have uh else worlds um so yeah there's, there's just tons of stuff that that they're digging into and like i i liked it i didn't love it um i thought it was good and i think it's with especially with a weekly book because issue one comes out next week and then you know eight issues of just the main convergence will will be coming out weekly 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know it was weekly. Yeah, issue one's next week. That I did not know. And that'll bring also the first batch of all of, uh, you know, the, the miniseries that are coming along with it. Uh, I think next week will be a, a strong indicator of where this is going because without reading a lot of those tie-in books, um, it's it's hard to say what they're really going for. Yeah, like I, th- what, what got me so confused at reading it. Like I was okay. Like I'm seeing, you know, Superman looking here at all these different versions of himself dying. Uh, and you know, he's having a conversation with Brainiac, and he says, "Oh, you killed him." And Brainiac says, "No, but I watched him die." And I thought this was like a fantastic page. It's not much of a spoiler. It's been in all of the solicits. Yeah. Uh, the the one right in the forefront there is uh, Superman dying to doomsday and that very famous death of Superman 90s run. But what I thought was ultra really interesting was like there is my all-time favorite Superman story of All-Star Superman 4 back where he's fixing the sun. Uh-huh. So like I'm like, oh, okay. It's just going to be like, like a all different universes of uh, – the DC heroes coming together. And I'm like, you know, I'm trying to piece this together. Like it was secret wars, like trying to make, you know, I, 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 you know, something together out of the two of them when it seems like they're more apples and oranges. And I, and I say that because in the back, it's like, Oh, this is what makes up convergence. And in the back, they have like a rundown of all the different universes and some of them like, okay, like here's some of them right here. Like, Uh I, I wouldn't even say universes though, because a lot of these take place, in the same universe. That's so what's, it's, it's that's ti- what's confusing. Yeah, that's I what's confusing is- me is like, okay, we have something like Flashpoint. Like Flashpoint was that the Flashpoint universe was its own thing. Correct. So uh, then you have Injustice. The Injustice universe is its own thing. But then you have stuff like pre-Flashpoint Gotham City. Okay. But then there's also pre-Flashpoint something else. And then right next to that is Kingdom Come. So it's uh-huh. just it was strange to me to see stuff like, oh, here we go. Pre-Zero Hour Metropolis. Now, I remember Zero Hour from the early 90s. Uh-huh. And it's confusing to me, and I think we, we talked about this off-air, and I think you, you gave me a little bit of insight, was that DC's hit the reset button like this more than one time. So for me, it's like the, the cutoff between the old DC stuff and the new DC stuff is the new 52. So like to me, everything that was pre-New 52, Batman, Superman, Green Lantern, it's all the same universe – but that's not taking into consideration like stuff like zero hour yeah. or um, the crisis, crisis, on yeah, crisis on infinite or it's infinite like crisis, all those books were their own thing that got reset. So they're like their own realities or timelines coming into play. It's not like it was all one giant thing. Like if Marvel were to do this exact same thing, it wouldn't make any sense to me. It was like, well, this was this Marvel, and then there was a reset, and then, then this Marvel. It's like everything from this point back is just like one cohesive universe. See, what Marvel does, they they, they do it differently. Marvel just retcon stuff. Yeah. Or kind of slowly works, you know, works what they want into the storylines, you know, like Punisher fighting in Vietnam. You know, if, if that was the case, then... Uh, he would be quite would old, be quite old, or, you know, so there's a lot of, a lot of little things that, that they just kind of phase in to make you forget about the old. Yeah. And I'm not saying one way is better than the other. Oh no, not at all. It's just, I, I'm mostly a Marvel reader. So coming to it this way, that's why DC was always so, I think hard for me to get into is because you had all these different versions of characters and like, even this, this is difficult because, um, uh, for me, like, there's so many like Silver Age books in here that they're going to. 
like but i don't think you're gonna need to it's not like you need to know the source material true to, that's true to enjoy it like there are tons of great writers that are going to be writing you know the, these books these characters that they'll ease you into it they'll you know yeah and i think I, like again i think the hard part for me just like flipping back to, back here was because of, I'm, I'm thinking like all right like i don't know all the books of secret wars uh but like i know like oh well there was avengers was x-men or axis or like they, they seem to be pulling from crossover events well yeah those are just major events yeah but like like but even even if you weren't like the heaviest of comic book readers that like those names are in the forefront of your mind. But when I look, I'm looking back here and I'm looking at, it looks like stuff from the fifties. It's like, I have no idea about this universe whatsoever. So like, what does it mean to me as a reader when I'm seeing like bizarro world or caps hobby shop world? Like, uh -huh. but have I, you been reading multiversity? No, I haven't. Okay. Okay. So that Morrison scares me. <laughs> he's, he's a little bit too intense for me. Uh -huh. Like he's the kind of writer that, that'll go back and take characters from these different series that people might not even remember. And or... I'm sure bring them into the forefront and make it totally easy to read. Like I, I am interested in reading uh, Multiversity. I just want to read it collected. Uh huh. Yeah. I, I don't think you're going to have a problem here. Um, and then along with what you're saying for the Marvel thing, yeah, those, those are big events, you know, AVX and Civil War. But then you do have like the MC2 universe. True. You have a lot of one-off what-if stories that they're pulling out of you have that's what i wish dc was doing like i wish they were but they getting, are they have their are they having, worlds but they have are they creating new stories like you know we, we we talked about this like that marvel you know 18 i think it was 1806 where the, it's like the cowboy versions of the avengers uh -huh. or uh that like hail hydra series that recommenders writing like those are new stories that are taking place like oh like here's just another world you've never heard about like i wish dc was doing more of that stuff where it was like oh we're just introducing See, brand again, new worlds and characters but we don't know we still don't we know, know if that's, what okay. the setting is but we don't know what they're doing with the characters you know sure. they could yeah. be dropping characters from uh gotham by gaslight let's say into silver age kind of thing you know that stuff is going to be mixed up you know it's it's it seems to be like it's going to be like a survival of the fittest, you know, because at the end, uh, how does he word it? He said, let only the strong survive yeah. or or something like that. So I don't know. I'm, I'm super interested. I cannot wait. I will read all of these little titles because I have memories from from all of these different universes. That's cool. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes. Like, I'm a huge fan of Injustice. So to see how it, the Injustice universe fits in with all of this and like what the characters will do when they uh, they see, I guess, the darker sides of themselves. Like how is Clark going to like one of this, like the, the heroic Clark's going to react when he sees that he's become this like murderous dictator. Uh -huh. It'll be interesting to see how that stuff plays out. And I'm like, or even so, the other characters in the Injustice universe, when they take that pill, yeah. They're they're going to be unlike any of their counterparts. So very true. We'll see. So now you and me were talking and uh, you tell me that you are not a huge Superman fan. Uh, Did you think that had anything to do with the feelings on the, on, on this particular book? No, 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 not at all. Like there are just not a lot of Superman stories that, that I enjoy. Like, yeah, sure. Death of Superman. I remember, being a kid and absolutely loving that and then more recent uh the jeff john stuff 
that's excellent. Uh, the Greg Pak stuff, the, the the newer stuff, love it. Um, but there's not, you know, I can't just say there's, as with a lot of other characters, there's not one huge run of of Superman other than when Johns was writing Action Comics that I could say, that holy you, cow, yeah. these 40, 50 issues, absolutely amazing. Um, you know, but I could do that. Like JSA, there's stuff like that. Batman, there's stuff like that. Just Superman never, never did that for me. Yeah, I, I have the same feelings on the character. It just, I don't know if it was the writers. Like Superman was one of the things that got me into comics. And I, I think a lot of kids could grow up saying that. A lot of guys who read comics my age could say that. Because I started with the death of Superman. Uh -huh. And, you know, I, I collected all the Superman stuff through, what was it, when uh, he was fighting Conduit? Uh, I forget, it was Superman No More. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't remember the name of that particular arc. But I remember reading all of that stuff and, and liking it. But then I just like fell off Superman somehow. And I think they've been trying to make him relevant and interesting uh, to a new crowd. But the same thing, like I, I feel that certain graphic novels of Superman are like really good. Like uh, I mentioned All-Star Superman, which is one of my favorite all-time books. Uh, no, I totally agree with that. Um, I'm a huge fan of Birthright. Birthright is one of my favorite stories ever. I can reread that at least once a year. Uh, and like this, the stuff with, you know, that you had mentioned the John stuff now, uh, the action comics, uh, the series that, uh, series that's been going on. Uh, like, I like read it for all seasons. No, I have okay. not read for all seasons. That is excellent. I, I liked like, I like when you put Superman with somebody, like I like reading Superman, Wonder Woman. I, in the past have really liked Batman, Superman. I'm still trying to get, uh, get into that. We're actually going to talk about a Batman Superman comic in a bit. Uh -huh. Um, He's a character I've always wanted to like more, and it's just I, I haven't found like that run that you're talking about, that like 40 issue thing where it was like, oh geez, like this was so good, like John's Green Lantern run, or you know, we're actually coming back to John's a lot because the next thing I was going to say was Aquaman, uh, where it's like it's talked about and revered in a way, and I feel like he hasn't had that in a while. The stuff that's upcoming looks super interesting, though. The they're they're hinting at the fact they might take a secret identity away. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. That'd be something different. Yeah, it's it's good. I'm excited. I mean, it's it's one of their flagship 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 characters. Um, so yeah, I mean, they I think they need strong teams at all times behind him. Um, I mean, Batman, the, the sales numbers that 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 book brings forth is is because of the writing uh oh yeah so you put a good writer and a good concept and the, the book is gonna sell you know we've talked about this off air a lot actually is like what do they do with batman when snyder leaves the book and because snyder's been on it and it's been so good for so long you kind of forget like i was always under the assumption that batman is batman and batman is going to rise to the top of the top of the uh, sales charts and you had told me before the new 52 that I can't remember who was writing Batman, but it was like, it was a good book, but it wasn't like this, you know, be all end all book. Yeah. I mean, Morrison had his run. So and that sold well. And uh, then who took over? Was it Tony Daniels took over? Correct. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then right as detective was ending, that was Snyder's first, you know, run on the character <clears throat> with all the black mirror stuff. And that was absolutely excellent, but sales numbers weren't huge. Um, and that's why if you 
go look at the back market for those single issues, they're, they're kind of expensive because people are realizing that it was a great story. That was a terrific story. Uh-huh. So it'll be interesting to see, like, you know, we, we, we've mentioned it before, like when writers leave books, where they go and how that affects the book that they're writing and so on and so forth. So it'll be whatever's coming after Convergence is going to be interesting. You know, we've heard that it's more about story, not continuity. Uh-huh. And it'll be exciting to see where DC goes with that stuff and hopefully it brings in more readers. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Another book that left me a little bit clueless <clears throat> yeah. is the Uncanny Inhumans. Another uh, number zero. Another number zero, which seems to be a, a trend these days. Yeah. Um, I know next to nothing about the Inhumans. I know the king is Black Bolt. I know the queen is Medusa. And that's about it. Okay. So I saw Charles Soule was writing this. Uh, Steve McNiven was drawing the team that uh, did the Death of Wolverine. So I was wanting to get into Inhumans. So they're making a movie about it in the next couple of years. So I was like, all right, well, you know, let's let's jump in with this. And I liked it. You know, I, I, I thought it was pretty straightforward. They reference some things that have taken place in the past. Uh, what is it? Uh, Attilan? Attilan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, Black Bolt brought down Attilan during Infinity, didn't he? That's when he was fighting Thanos. Thanos, and he, and he brought the city down, and uh, he's been missing since then, hasn't he? Uh, well, to the Inhumans, he's been missing, but correct. we've been seeing him in New Avengers with the Illuminati. Yeah, he was he was more exiled, I guess you could say, like for bringing the city down. Don't come back. Yeah. See, like that, I didn't pick up on. So uh, there's that, and then you have the fact of when, like, the mass mist was was let off, all the cocoons that were formed. You know, yeah. that, that's how like Camila Khan got her powers and stuff like that. So people are still going around collecting these cocoons. So the inhuman gene is kind of like you know it, they're doing this with mutants they're like trying to bring the inhumans up to the level of where mutants are so like the inhuman gene is is in a certain amount of people on the earth and that the terrigen mist came out and they all transformed they yeah. go into these cocoons they transform and when they come out they're inhumans uh so that's been going on in what was that uh the inhuman book um inhumans oh it's just inhumans okay inhumanity kind of was the start of it that was that one shot book yeah and then inhumans and medusa has been at the forefront of that book uh I, there's a group but yeah it was but the, like I, I think i've read the first issue or two and medusa was at the forefront there and uh, i haven't picked they, back they up on introduce it since. a lot of new characters in that series um and it's an excellent read uh so this is following black bolt and uh his story and i mean black Bolt's such an interesting character because he doesn't speak so a lot of it is just visual clues as to what he's thinking and meaning and having other people like kind of deciphering his thoughts for us, being like, "Oh, you want to do this?" Oh, uh-huh. I see. Um, yeah, he used to have people on like his his court, I guess you could say, that would be able to read his mind and yeah. and mind meld, I guess you could say, uh, just so he could actually have conversations in in a, a another plane of existence where he could talk. And we do see a little of that in here. Uh-huh. Um, I liked it. I I thought that it was. For somebody like me who's not up on the universe, it was simple enough for me to understand what was going on. Um, he's searching for his son, and you know he has a conversation with his his wife Medusa, um, beautifully drawn. I, I I thought it was one of the better looking books this week, and I'm interested into into reading more of it. What did you think, Rob? Uh, I did. I enjoyed it. Um, I think it's a great jumping on point for anyone that does not know the characters because it's going to deal with kind of the main core 
and that's obviously what they're going to be using on the movie, I would imagine. So that's why they want to get people uh, acquainted, yeah. I guess you could say, with with who they are and what they mean to the the Marvel universe. You know, it's interesting to see what they did with Guardians and the the lead up to Guardians being released was this, you know when Bendis started writing Guardians of the Galaxy, it was like, what a perfect jumping on point for people. And now Guardians blew up in a way that I don't even think Marvel was foreseeing, uh, could have foreseen. And uh, I feel like the same thing's happening here with Inhumans. I, it's a good team, Sol McNiven. I mean, the art alone in the book, I, I think is, is worth checking it out. And uh, I, like, I like the person they run into at the end. I did not see that coming. Yeah. <laughs> so uh un- uncanny inhumans the un- uncanny inhumans uncanny everything that's apparently that they're one of their new favorite taglines for books because we have the x-men we have the avengers now we have the inhumans if you've been interested at all in what's going on with the inhumans wanting to know more about the characters i think this is a really good jumping on point i can't rec- uh, i can't recommend it enough for that and uh i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with it for a while and see what happens excellent tell me about this book right here okay uh, let's see. I don't even know what the publisher is. Isn't that crazy, huh? A magnetic press. There you go. But Poet Anderson, um, it's based on the, a short film that was released this past December, um, Poet Anderson, The Dreamwalker. And you were giving me more insight on, on DeLong and like all of different bands and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, this comic book prequel, this is the comic book prequel to the award-winning animated short film from the imagination of Tom DeLonge of Blink-182 and Angels and Airwaves. Correct. So you had come over and were explaining to me what this book, this beautiful looking book was about. And uh, it it's written by Tom DeLonge of Blink-182. And so we watched, we didn't even know it was a short film. Like the short film had come out. We watched the trailer. Uh, it looks really cool. And the whole time uh, we're watching it, there's an Angels and Airwaves song, uh, song playing. And uh, I was like, man, this doesn't fit the the mood of the trailer. And Rob didn't know that Blink-182 is split off into like a whole bunch of different bands come back together, one of the bands being Angels and Airwaves. So like the whole, it seems like the whole film uh, has music inspired by uh, the bands. But the book itself is really interesting. And man, is it pretty looking. Uh-huh. Um... So basically the concept is uh, falls into a pair of brothers uh, who are able to lucid dream and they go into this world of his brother's creation or so you may think at first um, and just the stuff that that they could dream up and uh, I I think it's a very interesting concept. It's almost like a, a... neo version of uh what was i thinking in my head a neo version of the never-ending story i was going to say the matrix in a way well yeah you have matrices type stuff but never-ending story you know more more current um i love it i think the art it has a very very animated feel um the characters are being portrayed excellently i I think they're you get a nice build-up on who they are and very interesting nemesis. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I'm just looking forward to read more of this. Uh, I'm actually I, looking I don't forward want to, to good. Yeah. I, I don't want to like 
give it all away. Exactly. Yeah, we won't. This is one of those books that we, we well, Rob enjoyed it. I haven't got a chance to read it yet. Rob spoiled it for me, but I'm still interested enough to go back and read it. Uh-huh. The idea of dream walking and being able to explore your own dreams is something that people have actually learned how to do. And there are ways to train yourself to do it. I've, I've done it one time where I realized I was dreaming and then I could like do whatever I wanted to in my own dream, knowing I was dreaming one time in my entire life. And I don't understand how it happened, but the basic concept around that and then to kind of twist it a bit, is super interesting. Yeah. No, I've had that happen plenty of times and especially like they go into like night terrors and stuff like that. So I, I used to suffer from stuff like that. So I can totally understand where, where he's coming from. So, yeah, I mean, Definitely check that out. It is gorgeous looking. The Dying and the Dead by Jonathan Hickman. This is one of the best Hickman books I've read because it's so easy to understand. Uh, This is issue two. Uh, Issue one came out, what was it, like six, seven weeks ago, I feel like? Six. Yeah, if I had completely forgotten about it. It's uh-huh. been so long. And when I saw it in the pile, I was like, oh, this is this is exciting. So The Dying and the Dead, the first issue was about a man uh, who has a dying wife. And so what he does is he travels to this city where he in, encounters these immortal beings, mm. but they're the dead. Uh, they're all white. They, they look like beings of white. And they're wearing clothes and everything's all in white. And there's a lot of backstory there between this man and the city and how he knows that they're there and they don't explain any of it. But you get <laughs> you get the idea. You get like they, they, that's, they, that's great. They give you some clues along the way of what what might have happened between these two. And so the man is looking for a cure for his sick wife and the city will grant him this, even though they tell him that he does not want it. And why he doesn't want it, we don't know. I mean, the idea of. Uh, having a debt to these people seems like a bad idea. Uh, but the city also needs something from this particular character. And so at the end of the first issue, which was this massive issue, it was oversized as anything, uh, he agrees to do it. And so he's going to do this quest uh, for the city in exchange for the help uh, helping his wife. And issue two is him, you know, he he's in... He's an elderly gentleman. There's no other way to put it. Uh, put it. If I had to guess, I'd say and he's 65. Uh, his wife is probably the same age. She has like a terminal cancer. And so the second issue deals with him getting his old gang together. And uh, a lot of them are facing the same issues that his wife is, or a lot of them are in situations that wouldn't immediately lend to them being able to help out. And uh, it's just really well-written. For a Hickman book, that's not a surprise. Uh, like usually with Hickman book, you're like, you're expecting something um, clues here and there for a super long game. And, and while this book is dropping some breadcrumbs along the way as to what happened in the past, you don't really need to know it right now. You just need to know what's going on moving forward. And it's incredibly inviting to read. There's, there's nothing, you know, overly complicated about it. This guy's going to do something for his dying wife and, uh, he's dealing with some sort of supernatural force. He's got he, in this issue. He's going around to getting his band back together. Now, is this an ongoing or? I am under the assumption it's ongoing. Okay. Uh, the issue ends in a way that you know it doesn't seem like this is going to be like a six issue thing. It doesn't uh-huh. seem like it's it's going down that path. And I'm 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 pretty sure that it's ongoing. Um, I'll have to look that up to be sure. But yeah. I'm enjoying it. Um, it's it's beautiful art. What what I really like about it is the colors. Um, yeah, it's, it's got. 
Michael know, Garland does the colors here. And it, it's great because there's there's just a lot of contrast. Like when these characters from the city come up, I, I had mentioned that they're all in white, but everything else is kind of got a tinge to it. It almost looks like it's put through like a sepia. Yeah, sepia tone. Yeah, yeah tone or like you know, something with like a, lot, a lot of red. And uh, so, they, I mean, when they're on the page, they really stand out. I mean, I would assume that the colors of the panels all have something to do with each other. Oh, I didn't even think of that. But being the Hickman, you're totally right. There's probably like a secret game going on here that I don't even realize. Uh, it's issue two. I, If you like anything to do with like supernatural stories or like, um, I, I, don't, I would almost say like a revenge story, a mystery. I, I'd say give this a chance. It's, it's, it's fun. Like I, I look forward to reading the next issue. I'm just interested to see what happens with these characters, and I'm super interested to see what in the world happened with these characters to get them to the situation that they're in now. Awesome. So that's from Image, so check it out. Now, there's a book that I was super excited that came out this week. It's a Marvel original graphic novel. We've been hearing about it for a while. It is Avengers Rage of Ultron, and it is by Rick Remender, and it is drawn by, I think it's Opania. Is it Jeremy Opeña? Yeah. Uh, Jerome Opeña. And uh, so it's an original graphic novel. Um, Opeña was doing the Avengers book with Hickman and then disappeared off that for a while. And everyone was wondering where he went, and it turned out he was doing this. So with the Marvel original graphic novels, they're strange because they're kind of based out of continuity. But this has a bunch of incontinuity stuff. Um, I'm going to read the back of what's going on here so we get a, an idea of the synopsis of the book. It was another glorious victory for Earth's mightiest heroes. The genocidal, genocidal android Ultron had been shot into space, never to return, or so they thought. Now, years later, the artificial intelligence has found a new world to conquer, one with his own horrific legacy. To save his homeworld of Titan, Thanos' brother Starfox, must seek the aid of his former allies, the Avengers. But he finds them radically different from the ones he once knew. Among them, Ultron's creator, Giant Man, and when Hank Pym confronts his now planet-sized son, the relationships, excuse me, the responsibilities of fatherhood have never loomed so large. So the Avengers beat Ultron, send them out into space, and years later, Ultron comes back as a giant planet. Uh, uh, now, how, how deep are we going here? I'm not going to, I don't want to spoil anything out of this book. Like, I, I, I think it is an intriguing story with insanely gorgeous artwork. Opeña, Opeña stuff is very easy to spot. And oh, this is definitely some of his best stuff. Yeah. Easily. Um, it's really good. I, I, I don't even know who the star of this book is. It, it's, it's a family drama between Hank, Ultron, and the Vision. Mm. And I, you know, I'm a huge fan of graphic novels, and I like this original graphic novel idea. I've been excited to read this, and this was better than I thought it was going to be. I, I know they're making a big push with Ultron, uh, Age of Ultron coming out. Uh, there were more than one books related to Ultron released this week. We'll talk about the other one when we're yeah. finished with this one. But, man, this was really good. Like, this was really, really good. Rob, what did you think? Uh, I did. I, I loved it. It's, it's interesting, though, because you're saying – you know where does it fit and i i it's it's hard it's hard to even contemplate where it fits in the timeline because there's a certain team of avengers that are together that 
you know, that has the female Thor on it. So, Saber, Sabretooth, uh, uh-huh. Spider-Man. That's, that's Quick, a new thing. Quicksilver. Yeah. So like, I mean, the Sabretooth and uh, female Thor, that, that, that's ripped out of what's going on in the pages right now. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't know. I don't know where this where, where this ends. I don't know if that's going to be a thing moving forward. I don't know if these books just get thrown out there like this is a story that happened. Don't worry too much about it. Um, I guess only time is going to tell, but it's interesting. Like this comes out right around the time that Secret Wars is going to be coming. Uh-huh. But then, what? But what's interesting is without super. Yeah, it's hard to do this without spoilers, and I and I want people to read this. Um, there's characters that we see here that we also see in other places, and so like this doesn't slide in perfectly. But it, it doesn't, and you know what? I'm I'm. In terms of continuity and especially the heavy continuity with with Marvel, you know, all these new Avengers teams and uh, the whole time runs out and uh, Pim being off looking for Beyonders, the Beyonders. Yeah. So he how long was he stuck there for? It's it's odd. But for this original graphic novel, I will give them a pass just because. Yeah, it was. I, I did. I quite liked it a lot. It also had Sam as Captain America. Yeah. So it is. It, it was just a good story. And I don't know if it was just the story itself. And then you look at the art and you're like, oh, geez. Like when you get get to like a good story and good art together, it just really stands out. And this is one of those books that just really stands out. Like I, it, it doesn't really matter the continuity when you're looking back at it. it I, I could reread this a few different times and just be happy with, with it standing sure, on its own. I'm sure people are going to be pissed in terms of continuity. Um, you mean people on the internet getting upset? Well, I don't believe it's it. It's bound to happen. I don't believe it. <laughs> um, and I understand. I understand where they're coming from. Um, I've, I've just read so much at this point where, to me, I just want good stories. And I, I, I enjoyed this a lot. Good Spider-Man stuff in this book, too. Yes, that too. Uh, Spider-Man had a had a couple of appearances in books this week that I didn't expect to see him in. Um, that Avengers Millennium book. Uh, yeah, I know you didn't get a chance to read it. No, I got to read it bre- uh, like very quickly before we, we started, it, and it is chock full of good Spider-Man stuff. Uh huh. Yeah, because that that's four issues and one one a week. So, uh... so you know what's interesting about that that book, the uh, Avengers Millennium, is that is the Age of Ultron team plus Spider-Man. I know. Yep. That's exactly what I said on Wednesday. That is not a coincidence. No, there's and no way. And Spider-Man showing up in this Avengers book. He doesn't show up in the next book that we're going to talk about, but I, I, it's not it's not a coincidence that we're seeing him again in, in Avengers titles. Oh, they knew. They knew a while ago that yeah. this was all happening. <laughs> uh, so Avengers uh, Rage of Ultron, if you're curious about Ultron and don't know who he is like if you're you know new to comics new to marvel and you see the avengers movie is coming out a month from now uh i definitely recommend picking this up you get a really nice backstory on who the character is where the vision comes from you know um in the movie it's gonna be a bit different tony's giving birth to him but you just you get the idea of where the idea of ultron came from and uh it's a it's a fantastic history lesson and story all wrapped up together in one uh uh-huh. And now the next one, I don't want to spend too much time on, but just in stark contrast of of that Ultron book and uh, Ultron Forever, 
Avengers. Yeah, I didn't like I, this. I didn't like this book very much. No, and it's weird because I love his uh, Al Ewing's Mighty Avengers run. Um, just good stuff. It was excellent, and this just seemed super weird to me. Um, basically, Doctor Doom plucks a team of quote unquote six, but winds up being seven characters to help him come deal with uh, a problem. Uh, and that's Ultron, obviously. And they're all Marvel characters from, again, different timelines. So it. you have Hulk, you have um, Captain America, who's the daughter of Luke Cage and Jessica uh, Jones. Jessica Jones. Uh, two different Thors. You have uh, older Thor, uh, Odinson, and you have the female Thor, uh, Black Widow, Vision. And uh, Rhodes is Iron Man. Correct, yeah. I don't know. It's it's it just seemed it's super weird to me. It's a interesting concept. I feel this would have better been better served released five months ago. To release it the same day as Rage of Ultron just seems strange. Like I know they're amping up for Ultron uh, because of the movie, but it just it it just seems a little bit out of place like it, it's confusing like all right which ultron book did they tell me to buy there's two of them this week like that's just weird uh it, like i said it, it, it's a cool concept i just don't feel like it, it's put together in the right way we have a dr doom here which they're hinting at isn't actually dr doom so okay that's like an interesting story thread i'm gonna go into spoilers in this book because like, <laughs> i want people to understand what we're talking about like there's there's some good stuff in here. You have an older version of the Odin son, of Thor, wearing that blue and gold armor, yep. which is just gorgeous looking. And you see him meet the female Thor, and he realizes, like he thinks in his head, um, I must die. And it's actual that the the female Thor is from some point in the future because she's like, let me warn you guys about this. And he's like, no, we, we it's better that we don't tell them because. You know, having a, a, a um, time travel, time travel, like we'll screw stuff up, like don't tell them. But, you know, they have a nice moment where Thor meets Thor and he's like, I'm glad that somebody was able to lift the hammer again. But then like weird stuff happens in this book. Like they go they go fight Ultron and Ultron beats them as he always does in some way. And the Hulk's head gets cut off by that Captain America's shield. The like, weirdest thing I've seen. And. You know, like story wise, it's like okay, like I'm I'm confused or anything, but for me, like I just had like the art, I couldn't get into the art, and the art kind of like pulled me out of the story. It takes, you know, I, I hear that a lot. Like people say, like, oh, the art, like the art pulled me away from the writing, and I, I, I take issue with that sometimes. But you know, sometimes you just you read a book and you're like, I, I can't stop looking at the way that the character looks instead of looking at the character and hearing what they're saying, and like I. This is one of those books that I could definitely agree with with that saying on. It it, it wasn't the art that did it for me though. Uh, it just the, the writing wasn't wasn't there for me. I don't. It had its couple of moments, but I don't. I I just didn't enjoy it. Same. I mean, I'm 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 gonna see it through. It's a it's a mini series, so I want to uh -huh. see what they do with it. I mean, there was enough hooks for me to get me in uh in a little bit further. Like you know. I'm interested in the, who this this version of Doctor Doom is, and uh, you know, at the end, there's a, there's a cool thing. You know, Ultron has become the All Father, and he rules in Asgard. Like to me, that that's was a, that was cool. That's pretty cool, and I like I like seeing that type of stuff. So I'm I'm gonna stick with it. Um, I, I you know, 
it wasn't it wasn't terrible by any stretch of the imagination. It just it, if if you're going to pick an Ultron book to read, even though Rage of Ultron is more expensive because it's a graphic novel, what that's was it? where was it twenty four ninety nine. Yeah, twenty four ninety nine. Yeah. Uh, that's where my vote would be is to grab the graphic novel. Uh, and here's a little tip: if if you want if you want to cut down on the price of the Rage of Ultron, and you have a friend that only reads digital, and you like to you know go hardcovers and trade paperbacks. Uh, split the cost, give them the digital code, and then you're only paying, you know, 12 and change. And then you both get, you know, you both get a book. Yeah. Now you, you said to me that, uh, I gave you the code for this so we could catch up on it and talk uh -huh. about it today that you had never read a real comic digitally. Uh, no, this was my first like real full experience reading a digital comic. Um, and the way they presented it, it was interesting. Um, I liked not being able to see further ahead on the page because my eyes do tend to wander. Yep. Um, sometimes I'll flip a little early or, you know, that that's just how it works out when you have something full and in front of you. I enjoyed it, but still in my heart, like I, I need to hold the book. Yeah. Uh, I was almost all digital until we met and, uh, I had gotten used to that. Like uh, I, I know for the guided view on comicsology, I, I find it frustrating sometimes. They go panel by panel uh -huh. instead of giving you the full page first and then letting you scroll down to two panel, um, you know, individual panels. But at times that could be done to great effects. Like I read Sex Criminals digitally because that's where I've had all the issues, and uh, I then I collect the trades afterwards. And I remember this one issue of Sex Criminals where they're. Uh, John and Susie are, are, are walking and uh, they like they reach for each other's hand and like mm -hmm. panel by panel, it's blown up in front of you and you could see their faces. But in the actual layout of the comic, the panels are very small and at the bottom. And so that was a, you know, that that didn't hold as much meaning. So sometimes it, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. But uh, I, I, I hadn't known that you never really read one digitally before. No, I have to see how it looks. <laughs> uh, next up, we have a couple of. Endgame tie-ins. You have Arkham Manor and Gotham Academy. Um, I'm not going to spend too much time. The Arkham Manor is actually pretty cool uh, in the sense that it deals with if you've been reading Batman Endgame, um, there's a certain group of, of people who come to his aid at, at the end of the last issue. Uh, and this kind of tells you how they got there. And you know why they they kind of went and did that. So yeah, Arkham Manor Endgame. If if you're liking the Endgame stuff, this this does add add a bit of of cool things to it. Um, and Gotham Academy Endgame, even though it has the Endgame tag, it it doesn't. It's it's not essential, obviously. Um, what it does though. They're, they're, did you used to watch the Batman the Animated Series like back in the day? Come on, who didn't watch Batman? Okay. Do you remember the episode where it's the group of kids, three kids, and they each tell their own version of a Batman story? Like, oh, I saw Batman, and this is what he did. And it was like uh, the Dark Knight Strikes Back Batman. And the other kid is like, oh, well, this is how I see Batman. I don't remember that. It, I, you know? I'm sure if I saw it, I'd be it's, like, okay, I remember it it's now. It's probably one of the most like famous episodes. Um, that's what this does uh, with the members of the Gotham Academy and a couple of the teachers. They all tell the tales of 
like the smiling man or you know some some form of a joker-esque type character uh and it's really cool you get three three short tales of of people's views of like horror stories that that involve a joker-esque character um if you've not read any gotham academy uh this is just excellent to pick up you'll get to know who the characters are uh a lot of the supporting cast and yeah you, you get like some cool little tales so super super enjoy this cool i'm not i have not really read any academy and that kind of makes me want to read it uh yeah i would pick up the first trade and you know when okay. it hits i think it what are they up to five six i don't they're not, they're not very high so yeah uh-huh maybe i'll do that yeah you'll enjoy it you told me to read this book right before we came on the show and so yeah. i did and it's something no, no mercy. mercy from image <laughs> okay so go ahead you give me your initial because it's a Alex DeCampi writer and uh, Carla McNeil with the art. So another book that I had no idea about. Um, yeah, I mean, Image just every week, it seems, has a couple of new books, number ones that you could read. And um, I saw it in the pile and I was like, oh, an Image number one. I'm, I'm going to read that and then completely forgot about it uh -huh. until Rob came over. And uh, it's an interesting idea. It's, uh, you know, these kids going down to build churches in um where are they in like in, in ecuador i would say like somewhere around there does it say where they are dun, 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 uh central america all right um and uh their bus something happens to the you know uh something happens to them i, I we're gonna get into spoilers on this one because it, it, the book did something really well so like the first page you know you see all these kids they're texting they're they're using twitter and uh, yeah that see Initially, when I first started reading the book, seeing all the weird little Twitter things, I thought that was cool. Once they started throwing like the emojis in people's uh, speech bubbles, then I was like, "What? What's going on?" Yeah, uh, we'll get into that in one second because I have I have thoughts on that. Uh -huh. uh, but so you see the, the, this class together, and then <laughs> you love emojis, though, Jess. Yes, I love them. You see them uh, a big group shot of them on Facebook. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, a timeline photo or whatever. And then the first comment underneath it is, oh, my God, how sad they were all so young. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's how you kind of wrap me into, into a book on the second page. But it's funny because that's almost like, like are a lot of people going to be even their eyes are going to wander down there to, to read that, do you think? I think so, yeah. yeah? Okay. Just because it's like it, it's a double-page spread. It's uh, – it's drawing you to the center and then, you know, your eyes gravitate towards the first comment. I mean, think about how many, you know, you're scrolling down, you're scrolling down an internet page. The first comment is usually something that you'll read because it's the first thing, you know, you're, when your eyes are going down that way, you're, you're going to see it. No, so I go, I go into the weird middle part <laughs> where all the meat is. <laughs> I try and stay out of internet comments as much as possible. Uh, so you, something happens to these kids and that's where this book goes the the whole you know text speech that rob's talking about uh -huh. it did one thing really well and it made me feel really goddamn old <laughs> like I, I felt a little bit like i don't i don't understand how people talk like this but they don't i know oh come on tell me like 16 year old girls don't talk like this that's what it felt like that's what it felt like they were going for yeah, and to put the emojis in the actual speech belt you know i, I it's weird. 
Oh, it, I mean, it, it's definitely an interesting book. Um, we have a rev- there, there's a review up for it already on talkingcomicbooks.com. I read uh-huh. it. I read it. it was uh, by Joey, and uh, he liked it. He said, "Give it a chance." Like it, it's just a strange book because at the end I was like, "Okay, like we're going into sp- we're gonna go we'll, we'll yeah, go spoilers we here." Had that yeah. So the the bus they're on a bus. It goes off the road. There's an accident. Some of the kids are hurt. Um, there's cocaine on the bus from somebody. There's coyotes coming. There's some like there's injured kids here. There's injured you know, uh, adults, it looks like they have to band together. And like, that's a totally cool idea. Like the, the woods does this really well, yeah. where it's like, we have a, we have a school that's been transported to another place. We have to survive. But this, like, I, I don't feel the sense of urgency in, in the book because it's like, they just went off. Like, it looks like a well-traveled road and like, there's an accident. Like to me, there's, there's no, conceivable way within like a day or two they're not found so like is this story is this is this like an ongoing is it like going to be six issues where they're just they have to survive people coming after the cocaine like i I don't know where this book is going it it ends on like an interesting cliffhanger where it's like now the coyotes are coming what are we going to do but like i feel no sense of urgency for the characters because i feel like by tomorrow that the police are going to be there there's nothing that leads me to believe like they fell off this place where nobody knows about. Like they took some back end shortcut deep into the forests and nobody knows they're there. They like they went off the road. They went off the road and there was there was at least five or six cars right there. You know, the tractor trailer cut them off, which led them to go around another car and then their tire blew and cars ahead of them. So yeah, I can understand that point. I I just think that they're in such a remote place because they're talking like how between the drug ring and corrupt officials and police, like, do people even care is, is more like, you know, like it, they're yeah. like, yeah, we're Americans. So of course people are going to come find us, but are they, that, I mean, that, I that's mean, kind of how they're portraying it. That's true. I just like, it was just a weird thing. It didn't like give me that like sense of like, these people are really in trouble. Like they might be in trouble tonight, but I felt like oh, they're going to be fine by the morning, but I guess we'll, we'll see where it goes. Like there's enough going on in the book between the injuries the 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 drugs that 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 they they uh they found after the crash to kind of you know intrigue you a bit to coming in i I mean i thought the second page like that double parade spread that we talked about where it's like oh like Mm -hmm. they um you know they were so young and stuff like i felt like that would have been like a really good cliff cliffhanger there if it ended like oh okay you know, um, we see the picture in like them taking pictures in the beginning and the book ends with like, oh, they were so young. It's like, oh, well, then something really bad did happen after the crash and like they, none of them made it. And like, let's find out how that came to be. And then they could do what they wanted from there. Um, I mean, and it still could go that way. It was just a it was an interesting book. We shall see. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm going to keep reading it. So even if you don't, I'll let you know. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, what do we got next? Uh, really quickly, we talked last week about Batman and Robin uh-huh. uh, being the end of the series. I did not know that there was an annual coming out the next week, uh, but it is a it's a different type of book. Uh, an annual issue usually is, um, you know, Batman and Robin was always you know kind of grounded in a way. You know, like even though Robin ended up having superpowers in a way, like it was always about father and son on earth fighting crime and stuff um and in this book it's it's like it, to me it reminded me a lot of batman 66 it did like, it had a campy, campy it had a aspect. very campy aspect to this like batman 
Batman and Robin are on the moon and they're using like the NASA rovers to go like drive around the moon looking for, you know, this thing that they see. And then they're next thing you know, they're, they're fighting these alien parasites and, you know, they're, they're trying to get out of these hijinks that they're in. And it, you know, it, it captures that father son dynamic that they're so good at in this book, but in just a very different way. Like I thought, it was super fun. Um, oh yeah, it was. It was definitely fun. You know, it didn't feel overly dark or nope. grim. It was just, hey, let's go to the moon and have an adventure. That's exactly what it felt like, and that's where I drew the sixty-six comparisons from because it was just like hijinks and just to see them in spacesuits on the moon. It's like this isn't Gotham City. What's going on? And Duke, Duke is there too. Yeah, there's a dog in space. Why not? Right. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So. Hey, if you've been enjoying Batman and Robin or if you haven't read it at all and you just want like a cool father-son tale with, you know, loads of fun in space, Batman and Robin annual. Uh-huh. And another DC annual this week, the Batman Superman annual. Uh, we were just talking about Superman stories before, obviously. Uh, and this one, I'll just throw it out there. In the beginning, Superman uses his new power. <clears throat> and when he uses that power he needs time to recharge. So he's kind of at a commission in terms of, you know, he, he doesn't have any of his other, other powers. He's powerless. Correct. So this is him with no powers in a jungle with some support from Batman trying to evade <clears throat> a group of mercenaries, special mercenaries. Very special out. mercenaries. Yeah. You have Bane and Man Bat and... Killer Croc. Killer Cro yeah, just a whole group of people. So it's cool to see Clark be helpless, in a sense, and have to use his brain to to get away from these people with a little help from Batman. I thought there was a really great panel in the book where you know Clark is saying to Batman, like, I'm coming to help you. And in the next <laughs> panel, he's tied up to a wall. Uh -huh. And he's like, let me out of here. I uh -huh. thought that was great, because you never see Superman in that situation. I liked it. Yeah. Some sometimes annuals are hit and miss, but but I had fun with this. Most one. annuals are though. Yeah. Uh and I guess we'll end with just a little a little reminder here. Uh this is one of my favorite books, Nailbiter. Nailbiter another is super image, good. Uh another image book. You can go find the first two trades because this is new story arc that's starting, issue eleven. Um if you are not reading this. I, I implore you, if you like any kind of horror, and I'm not a horror person at me either. All. Like horror stuff freaks me the hell out. Um, this just has such an interesting concept. It's uh, you know, what if a group of how many serial killers is it? Sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah, all came from the same town in different time periods. Uh huh. Why? You know what? what's going on in the town that's making this happen. That's just the overall basis. Um, tons of cool stuff that comes from it. And yeah, that this just deepens the mystery. Yeah, I agree. I'm not one for horror at all. Uh, the first cover of Nailbiter like, kind of grossed me out. Oh, and yeah. I was like, uh, I guess I'll give this a shot. And I ended up getting really drawn into it. And uh, Rob is right. It's, it's really good if you like mysteries it's like the horror aspect doesn't really even exist in the book it just it's not even horror it's just like a sense of dread and uh, cre it's creepy but not scary 
and uh, I really enjoy it. Uh, I haven't got to read this week's issue yet. It was like one of the two books that I didn't get to finish in time, uh, but I'm glad that you got to read it and we talked about it on the show because uh, Nailbiter really is good. Awesome. So you have was, anything else? No, I've got nothing else. It was a busy week. We went uh-huh. through a lot of books. Um, we've been, uh, like I said last week, we've been getting feedback from the show. Um, yes, thank you. We, again, thanks for all that. Um, we're still figuring out the, the formula and uh, format of this exactly, but we definitely appreciate the feedback that we've been getting. Um, you can uh, always reach out to us on our Twitter. We are at Backup Stories. My personal Twitter is at Jaroke, J-O-R-O-A-K. And I am at Dusk1020. Uh, send us questions. Send us thoughts. Um, send us what you think of the show. If like Again, if there's any books that you guys want to see us talk about, we're probably reading them anyway, so let us know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you, if you want our opinions on something, if you want to point us to something that we might, you know, might not know or anything like that, sure, we'd love to hear from people. Absolutely. Uh, you could follow Rob and I each week uh, on the Talking Underscore Games panel. Uh, we could, you could follow them, us over there. At Talking Underscore Games, uh, I wasn't on the show this week, but you guys talked about some Bloodborne and some Axiom Verge and oh, some yeah. other things, so that's cool. And we're all part of uh, TalkingComicBooks.com. You can follow the Talking Comics show over at Talking Comics. So that'll do it for us this week. We'll catch you next. We'll catch you next week. Have a great week. Bye. <laughs>